this week on Kettle of Fish, after Matt Geiler stops by to talk about cool art, funny songs, and dancing pumpkins. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debate, hate, or argument allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. All righty, guys. Welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the two hours of political foreplay. Dwayne, D. Fern, are you guys ready to get fishy? Always. Yes. All righty. So today we have a guy on, a comedian, an artist, a musical savant, I think is what I was calling him Friday. We play trivia and not also did he kick my ass, but I woke up with a headache for the first time, a hangover, <laughs> for the first time after trivia in probably months in recent history. I actually got fairly drunk, and I usually only get slightly buzzed because the game's over so quick. But I spent two hours with Mr. Matt Geiler, and I want to get him in here now. Do 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 do. <laughs> Mr. Matt Geiler, or should I say? Drunken master of all band music trivia, Matt Tyler. <laughs> how do hey, you do today? You? I'm great. How are you guys? We're good. We're very good. Just came off a very intense um, conversation about guns, and now we're going to mix it up and talk about the comedy genius that is Matt Tyler. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I, I'm, just here, I'm just here to listen to the guy, a fellow uh, champion who wiped up the trivia floor with Nick. That's the only reason I'm here, and I love the the little video I saw of you. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right, let's do. That was a great night. We've only got twenty to thirty minutes. We try to keep these short and sweet. Um, cool. I kind of want to talk about the beginning of your career, and I don't know if sure. it's the beginning, but um, what you're most known for, at least on all of the little memes, is the KXVO. And I know um, we'll dig into the pumpkin dance here in a second, but I really want to talk about what that what that show was. I think it was the KXVO 15, 10 o'clock news show. Was yep. it a news show? Was it satire? Was it skit? I think it confuses a lot of people what that actually was. It was confusing to us while we were making it because uh, it was it was the KXVO 10 o'clock no 10 o'clock news, and it was. Um, it was it was when I was in Omaha, Nebraska. The CW affiliate there had just launched a a nightly ten o'clock news program, and it was supposed to be a it was supposed to be just like kind of a a younger news program that skewed into kind of pop culture a little bit. Um, there were still local stories on it, but it was supposed to, it was supposed to skew to a younger audience, and um, it had been it had been in existence for about six months. And I had just finished doing Second City in Chicago, and uh, my home my hometown's Omaha. And uh, the news director got a hold of me and asked me if I'd be interested. And I was like, "Are you sure? You know, I'm not a I'm not a broadcast journalist. Are you sure that um, that I would be a good choice for this? Because I'm kind of an irreverent, you know." Um, I don't look at myself and say, "Hey, that's the talking head that you want to get your fa- your, your news from." And right. like, well, just, just as long as you're good with a teleprompter, I think we'll be good. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up at that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, there was this weird mix of legally we had to do we had to do like a minute 
and a half of of news up front, which they were like, you know, just get some stuff off the wire and do like a local interest story. And then literally the news director said these words to me at at the hiring. He was like, and then you can do whatever you want. And I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, wow, I can check. What do you, yeah, like that's rarely do you come across that. And certainly like almost never in a network situation because they're so, they're so vertically integrated and there's so much control involved from, you know, corporate and other places. And so I was like, what do you mean? What do I, whatever I want to do, that's going to end up being like weird video sketches and crazy songs, you know? And he's like, oh yeah, it's fine. So, so was that shocking to you? This interaction with, I guess the program director or whoever you're talking to that, that floors me. Yeah, it, it did floor me. And it was even weirder because as we got into, as I got into the job, I was there for, um, a couple of years and, you know, like weekly, I'd have a meeting with the news director and the station manager, you know, and they'd be like, what do we have on the show this week? And I would I would come up with stuff just to see, like, where is the point where they're going to step in and say, absolutely not. And like with that pumpkin dance, that was for a, for a Halloween thing we did. I said, well, you know, I'm going to do this thing where I put on a unitard and dance around in a foam pumpkin head to Ghostbusters in front of a digital graveyard is that cool and the guy was like yeah it sounds fine and i was like that way ho that doesn't sound fine that's that's (laughs) that's a horrible idea you know and he's like just do it just that's fine and then they had other things they were i guess on you know preoccupied with like was it just apathy they just didn't give a (laughs) shit like costanza's boss when he worked for that charity (laughs) organ like was it that kind of situation I really, yeah, I really think it was because there was very few points where anybody stepped in and said, you know, let's rethink what we're doing. And we didn't really have the time to either because that station was, I mean, there was me, I I hosted and I wrote a lot of stuff. Uh, We had a producer who wrote some copy and then, um, you know, it was like whoever we could get to operate a camera from that wasn't working on the legit news station on the Fox news station, <laughs> the legit Fox news station. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so it was just kind of chaos. I mean, we would routinely get to like 839. We had to have everything stacked and ready to go by nine because we were live every night at 10. And it would be routinely at nine. We'd be like, oh, we have like three minutes to fill four minutes. And that's when it would just be like, I'm going to. I've got my Star Wars figures in the trunk. Let's film like two minutes of me battling those guys to weird music. I mean, that's how the classic segment Lando Calrissian Galactic Pimp was born, dude. I, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's almost like just rolling. out of sheer desperation to fill time. I knew <laughs> I liked you. I knew I liked you. As soon as you said Star Wars, you had me. That is amazing. Well, let's talk about the pumpkin dance. Did you ever think when you did this it was going to become like this viral internet sensation? Is this amazing to you? Absolutely not. It was one of those things where, I, where I, we literally did that to like eat up time after, uh, in between some weather stuff, which you can see on the end of that video that we go back to the weather, um, and I'm hosting the program as a headless, as a disembodied head, Uh but yeah, we did it to seriously just to eat up time, and so it sat on the internet for like three years, you know, along with a bunch of other obscure content. And then the first people to pick it up was I think a guy from BuzzFeed was like, you know, did a column, uh, and it was like, this is the greatest 
uh, Halloween pumpkin video of all time. And so that's kind of when it started. But it was, I mean, at that point, I was already in um, in L.A. and kind of moved on to other things. So it was just this weird thing that kind of, but it's kind of cool, too, because the Internet does that. You know, it's like uh, it, you never know what's going to get appropriated and, and have that yeah. kind of second life, you know? All right, so let me ask you a philosophical question here, and you can just dig deep because I was watching <laughs> all these pumpkin videos, and I mean to Snoop Dogg and the country songs and yeah. the rock songs. And yeah. as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, is there any song that could be co-opted by this where you would be offended? Like if the like if some whore, like if Taylor Swift um, was superimposed on top of this dance, or Merle Haggard, or whatever. What band would disgust you if it was superimposed on top of the pumpkin dance? I don't, I don't know that that's, you know, I don't know that that's reasonably possible. Just because, obviously, it it took a very low shame level to create that video. Uh, I mean, it took a very at, at the very be, in the very best case scenario, it took an extreme absence of, you know, self uh, respect. So I don't I don't know I don't know what you could put up, put with the dance that would that uh, that One would drive me insane. Wrecking ball, Miley Cyrus. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> How about Maybe. new kids on the block? Oh yeah, that would be going too far. Well, I got Way it. I got it. <laughs> I've nailed you, and I don't know if anybody will even get this obscure reference. Okay, what do you got? Suave by Geraldo. Yeah. Rico Suave. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually, uh, yeah, that's starting to veer into the kind of the grotesque stuff that would almost be (laughs) on a, I mean, because that's a song that that on its own virtually everyone kind of hates, you know? Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm glad that we could, like, sit here and unravel that ball of yarn and get down to the center (laughs) of Rico Suave. (laughs) and find out that that would be the true disgusting superimposed. And here's Dwayne putting Ice Ice Baby in here. I think Ice Ice Baby would work. I think Rico Suave is probably the worst. <laughs> I would ask. Rico yeah, is. Probably. Rico is. It's a, you have a sick mind, Nick. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know if you're shut up. I must be. If I'm pulling out the Rico Suave, there must be something really demented about me. All right, yeah. Friday. Friday show. You kicked my ass. I don't know how it happened. You were behind by like 10 points. Um, yeah. I the more we drank, the more you sang, and yeah. I've been checking out your comedy. I've been checking out your music. Are you a musician who happens to love comedy, or are you a comedian who happens to love music? I would say for me, definitely the music thing came a little earlier. Uh, when I, I grew up on this farm like out in the middle of rural Nebraska, and my brother and I would just, I mean, for lack of anything better to do, we'd make up songs and try and record them in the bathroom. So like our aim was always, you know, to, to make music and to record it and release it. But when I was 17, I started, so I was always musical, always involved in music, always making music. When I was 17, I started doing, uh, comedy shows, uh, at the funny, in the funny bone chain of comedy clubs. And they would bring me on, uh, to do these improv sets before and in between acts and I was just making up songs off of audience suggestions so um, always a music lover first but I think I just naturally had a bent towards 
you know, real spontaneous kind of uh, make it up as you go along. So, um, and I and I just I, I love I love it when people are laughing. So it's kind of kind of a great marriage of both, you know. Sweet. Well, well, as um, a musician with the pumpkin dance, would you revisit that? Have you had people in other arenas go, hey, I want you to come out and to do this pumpkin dance now? Or is that like really behind you? It's out there in the Internet world, but it's not something where people are focused on it career-wise for you. Well, so, yeah, it's it's definitely just like I consider it kind of this one-off thing that's had a cool life of its own. The The only time somebody's ever approached me about revisiting it was um back in two uh late 2009 it might have been early i want to say early like january 2010 uh america's got talent got a hold of me and they wanted to do a you know they wanted to do one of those ridiculous audition segments uh and they wanted me to come on there as in the pumpkin costume and do something like that and that's disappointing that that's staged yeah, well, I was just yeah. going to say that. Yeah, I, thought that's 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 that. I thought those guys just came in off the street. I didn't know they actually go out and vet people and ask them, like headhunters go out there and ask people to come in and do stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's that's a awesome. I think it's a bit of both because they'll they'll certainly they certainly find people at the um in their auditioning process, but you know, the producers are always looking out for like I mean, they do their own reconnaissance too, so it's kind of this mixture of They'll get some people that come to them, but they're also looking for, you know, looking to flesh out. So I, I was in that half of of somebody called me, a gal called me and was like, you know, would you consider coming on? And so I, you know, at that point I was kind of starting to do the LA thing, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to, even though my face is going to be hidden, I don't know if I want to do that again. So kind of jokingly, I said to her, I was like, I even changed the quality of my voice on the phone call. I was like, how dare you suggest that the pumpkin, that the dancing pumpkin engage in, in trite, uh, trite replication of art. That is that <laughs> wow. is an insult. The pumpkin is not some circus sideshow freak who comes on and dances like a monkey at your whim. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which you know is just the chicanery. Yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous because it's so ridiculous anyway. It's like, if anything, that's exactly what that thing is. That's you know, but she was. I mean, they were like, oh well, okay, I guess if that's really how you feel about it. And I'm like, no, it's not how I feel about it. But I, you know, could I could I just come on and do my own thing? And they're like, no, no, we want the, <laughs> we want the pumpkin. Oh, man. So, so you're wow. like Andy Warhol stance is what you're doing. Yeah, you're yeah, taking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let me yeah. ask you, you created this pumpkin dance, and it's a piece of you. It's your creation. And when you say, hey, can I come do my own thing? And they're like, no, pumpkin dance, pumpkin dance, like that famous Andy Kaufman scene and yeah. Man on the Moon, are you – kind of offended they don't want Matt Geiler, they just want Pumpkin Man? Or since you, Pumpkin Man's a product of Matt Geiler, is it just as flattering? I, it's it's flattering to me that people dig it, you know, and, and that um, it has this kind of cult popularity. I, I dig that about it. But, you know, I also am like, you know, the one thing I am kind of glad about is that it's it's one of those obscure things where it's like if you don't dig too much into it, you don't really 
you don't really find out that that's me. Because, like, when I'm out in L.A., I mentioned to some guy uh, when I first hit town, uh, Booker for a show up at the Comedy Store, he was like, you know, what's, you know, what's your claim to fame? Do you have any credits I could mention? And I said, oh, well, pre- this is probably nothing you'd know about, but I'm the... I'm the guy that did that viral dancing pumpkin video. And the guy was just like, wait, you're the dancing pumpkin. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, are you, are you kidding me? That's, uh, that's amazing, dude. And I'm like, is it, is it amazing? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, so that's cool. Um, but I also feel like it's more representative of my sensibilities. It's not like, Oh, here's the scope of what I do. It's, it's like one of those things that's like, Oh, that's probably something that guy would do. Well, let like, me just veer off here because I'm yeah. sure you don't want to talk about Pumpkin Guy for 30 minutes. <laughs> I was watching a bunch of your um, comedy, and I saw you kind of do this rap with Dr. Seuss. And I had yeah. said years ago, Eminem rips off Dr. Seuss. If you listen to the cadence and the syntax of how Eminem constructs sentences in a rap, it yeah. is you could take any Dr. Seuss book and put it to Eminem music, and it would uh-huh. work out just as perfectly. And mm. that's what that made me think of. Yeah, that's uh, the um, I want to say that that that's one of those shows that I just improvise the my my real stuff that I do in my real live shows improvised songs and freestyles and stuff. So we literally just get a suggestion from the audience and then we're like, what do you want to hear a song about? What kind of music do you like? And then we'll just go. What if it's too ridiculous? Do you ever get stomped? Like, it's like, what do you want me to sing about? Leprechauns drinking milk on Mars while doing tic-tac-toe with their uncle who has a goat head. I mean, does it ever get too ridiculous where you can't even work with it? Or does it get too boring where they're like, cars, sing about cars, where it's just too mundane you can't work with it? Well, I think everything, I look at everything this way. I look at it, I mean... I've been playing clubs, colleges. It's been my job since I was a teenager. So my feeling is like the whole reason I'm here is to give the audience a good experience and and satiate it. And because it's improvisation, it's even a more direct line. They don't have to get into my material. They just have to throw something out. And my job is to turn it back into something enjoyable for them. So let's say it's the case where they shout out something mundane, like you said, cars. And so, yeah, that's not a very imaginative suggestion, but then in that circumstance, like my job would be to maybe make that interesting. So somebody says cars, maybe instead of just doing a laundry list of car knowledge or car terms, maybe it's uh maybe it's a ballad about something interesting that happens in a car, or maybe it's uh maybe it's a really unnatural, weird affection for a car. Maybe it's I'm embodying a car and I'm, you know, like Christine, I'm like eating people and, uh, but you that's know, interesting. It, is that kind of a formula that you learn at second city or is that all instinctual? I think it, it, it's, it's instinctual and it, well, now it's instinctual. I think, um, you learn as you go. I mean, like I've played plenty of you know, early on when I was younger, if somebody would throw out like a boring suggestion, I mean, like, here's an example. In comedy clubs, I guarantee you, every single time you ask the audience, say, hey, what do you want to hear a song about? Some joker is going to yell out dildos. I don't know why. It's just it's <laughs> going to happen. It that will happen. Me. That would be it's, me. It's going to happen. And it's not that I don't... Uh, 
value the person who said it. It's not that I don't value the suggestion. It's just that when you heard that suggestion like 500 times a year, it's, you, you know, you're a little predisposed to be like, can we please come up with something different? But you're not like going to do that. Muffins. Like brand yeah. muffins to me is like a universe better than uh, <laughs> dildos. You know Dwayne, you saying? had something? I'm monopolizing yeah. the conversation. I'll let you other guys yeah, chat. Well, I'm just here to listen, like I said. I, I, feel, I want to apologize for ignorance equation taking over, but you know you've made it. When you've gotten on YouTube, somebody had edited a 10-hour version of your pumpkin dip. There's actually a 10-hour <laughs> version of it on there. Yeah. And you know you've made it. And I know what you're talking about. See, improvise. I, I don't have the confidence, and I've never let anybody here publicly except for my wife and kid. I feel bad for them. But I do that, too. I'll make little jingles up about the dumbest things in the world and no rhyme and all that, but I've never brought a public. But I know the thought process that you're experiencing. But if a super that, fan makes a, spends time to make a 10-hour video of the pumpkin dance, Matt, is that flattering or fucking scary? Because it seems like it would fall into the scary category that someone's that into what you're doing. Um, well, you know, I don't like to... I don't know the person who did it, so I I just assume they maybe that's like a... Too spooky for me, just in case you want to know. <laughs> yeah, I've I've watched. I there's no way I could watch the ten hours of it. I mean, I know that it exists because I I went to the link and I'm like, oh wow, that's that is nuts. Um, I just think if that's what you want to do with your time, good going. <laughs> I can hear squiggles in his comment, Nick. I can hear the squiggles in his comment. Yeah, there's definitely the implication of squiggles. I don't so, yeah. ran across fans who are a little bit over-eager? Like, what's your fan interaction like? Because I feel like you're somebody who would have great fan interaction. Oh, yeah. I love I love hanging out with people after shows and talking to them. And um, I haven't had anything, like, uh, super scary or anything. Um there, there's sometimes I guess like you run across, you know. Well, I also like something about myself that I kind of have come to accept is that I, I enjoy hanging out and talking to people after shows, and I like being, um, I don't know, I just like being accessible. I, I, I dislike it when uh, people are, you know, aloof and I have to get to another thing because. I don't know. I just feel like if these people didn't come out and spend their time and spend their money, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a job. So, um, but there's sometimes you run a, I think you get more adept as you get older, but you definitely come across some people who are like, okay, if I, this is probably not a person I want to give my email to and, you know, great to have a conversation, but you can just kind of sense that they might have like maybe a not so healthy lack of boundaries, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can, you can tell because the conversation will – like in a normal circumstance, a conversation will be like hey, – it'll wrap up at a certain natural point. It'll be like, hey, man, you know, check you later the next time you come through town. Great show, blah, 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 and you'll kind of trail off your separate ways. The the unhealthy ones always gets to that point, and then the, then the person will say something like um, – yeah, I live just down the street, so if you want to come over, um, I have some dinner waiting. Uh, then you're like, uh, I read you like mac and cheese. That's cool. Um, maybe, but I have to go. 
No. So you're telling me personally not to send you personalized pictures of me in a bathtub? Because <laughs> I already have the envelope filled out. Damn it. No, yeah, but you always got that envelope <laughs> filled out, so you're not exactly flat with that. You do that for all the guests. Hey, if you don't mind me leaving um, insane and really upsetting voicemails for you, I'll take the pictures. I don't get any voicemails. I'd welcome, I'd welcome anyone at this point. Except for Nick, that's the only voicemail I get. I'd take anybody else right now. No offense, <laughs> Nick. I just, I'm a lonely guy. So just... <laughs> well, I know Alice Cooper had said once that after a show, a guy came up, and he was talking to him for a few minutes. He could tell the guy was a little off-center. And come to find out, he escaped from a mental institution to come see a show. And I always thought that was, like, the greatest story, like, how you even process that. If you're That's dedication, though. True. Right, it's not somebody you would That's go have dinner with after. So. Dee, I'm sorry. Uh, I know that you are a great fan of Matt's. Um, do you have anything? Because I don't want to monopolize um, I'm just kind of curious. Do you ever sleep? Like ever, I mean, are you just one of those people that? Because I I've started to become that way over the last few weeks, mm-hmm. where I don't know what it is, but I'm just like, oh well, I'm done with this thing now. I gotta go do this now. I gotta do like, I I don't know. It's kind of crazy, but I feel like somebody's giving me way too much caffeine. Um, <laughs> I mean, are you pretty much like that, like all day long? I mean, it um, seems like it. I feel like I'm better. You know, I'm better now. Like in the last few years I'm better at like getting sleep when I need it but yeah for a lot of my life I've yeah I've been the kind of person who's just like what's next you know let's I don't know I mean I think it's I can certainly take it to an unhealthy degree but um yeah I'm usually just like trying to expend energy (laughs) right on I think all creative people are like that, especially if they're lucky enough to be working in a venue of which they can kind of express themselves. I know, you know, there's times I'm up till midnight when I got to get up at 530 working on stuff and D thinks I'm insane. Yeah, I think think there's also something to be said, though. I'm, I'm sure you guys have felt this, too. But when you're working on something that you're really into, you're passionate about and that engages you, especially on like multiple creative levels, you can go for – I find that I can go for long stretches of time, and I'm just kind of in the flow. I don't – it's weird. You don't – you're not really thinking about eating. You're just in the flow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's um, – to me, that's a good kind of a thing. You know, I mean, that's that's usually not a, not a problem because once I come out of that state, then I'm like, oh, I just did a huge thing. Time for a nap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yes, I get that totally. Hey, I've got to wrap this up, but I sure. want to hit on one more thing. This is what's really amazing to me yeah. is yeah. checking out your art, definitely. Checking out your comedy, checking out your music. How do you balance them all? And do you have a love for one more than the other? Would you leave one if the other grew so large time-wise and energy-wise? Would you ever put art completely to the side? I, I just got a TV show. Um. 15 hours a day working on this, or do you try to keep a balance and choose projects where you can keep all three of those passions kind of equal to each other? That's a super great question. I I try to keep a balance and I do realize that there's times when like um, a, a particular project is heavier in the one than it is in another area. And so it's like, yeah, just like you said, like, um, you know, I shot an indie film just this summer that was like, 
for this stretch, I'm going to be doing this all day for this time. I'm not going to have time to do anything else. But then that just makes it more of a thing where like, okay, after this, I need to take some time and tend to those other things. And really how I look at it is, and I think a lot of creative people like are like this, you have more than one thing Definitely. that appeals appeals to you because you're oh, yeah. a you're a human and there's multiple ways to express yourselves. To me they're they're all interconnected. So it's really important to keep that balance. And you can't you know, you can't be perfect at it all the time, but I love that you said creative projects that kind of involve all the elements because those are those are absolutely my favorite. Very nice. Okay, so I like tell making everybody... head of lettuces into I like making head of lettuces into uh, erotic symbols, so I, I find that to be my favorite too. There's certain things that just grab you and Dwayne, I've got a number for you to call after the show. Thank you for sharing. And it's my number. Pleasure. Yeah, it's Matt's number. You guys should get to know each other. Matt, where can everybody find you? You guys can find me at uh, mattgeiler.com, www.mattgeiler.com. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Matt Geiler, I'm at Matt Geiler on Twitter. And, um, yeah, if, if uh, you know, my music's on iTunes, you can just kind of Google and find stuff, you know. Nice. Um, I'm going to do something. I'm breaking new ground here today, Matt, yes. because you're such yes. a special guest. Oh, um, thank you. We could either end the show by playing Hey Sarah Palin, or I have the <laughs> acoustic version of the Kittle of Fish jingle, and you yeah. can lead us out by doing some improv over it. Your choice. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's improvise over the Kettle of Fish theme, man. Let's get it let's get it cracking. All righty, guys, we'll be back next week with Lisa Best. This is 36 seconds, Matt. I'm going to play some Kettle of Fish, and you can lead us out. Goodbye, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me do it again because that was very loud. And I was going to try to the lower volume. All right, go, Matt. Yeah, yeah, la ta ta ta. Welcome to a subterranean mix of irreverence and childlike humor. And kettle of fish is not politicized, but it will give your brain a small tumor. And kettle of fish. Let's all get together. We sound like we're in a wind tunnel. And kettle of fish, the hosts are very congenial, and they all eat funnel cakes. Ha ha! Alrighty, guys. I think we've got a few things We'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for calling in, Matt. Nice. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>